Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming up on today's episode, we recap the opening day of training camp, including our first look at line combos, plus comments from Bonus and Chevy. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. All right, the best time of year is officially here. The crisp, cool air, pumpkin spice brewing and optimism pouring all over the place. Winnipeg Jets training camp is finally underway after a long, long offseason. And I gotta be honest, I'm kind of getting swept up a little bit with the positive vibes coming out of the Iceplex right now. I mean, you guys know anybody that that listens to this regularly. I I was not a big fan at all with how the offseason played out here in Winnipeg. But I don't know. Now everybody's out there on the ice. You got Rick Bonus saying all the right things. Shifley's feeling good. I don't know. It's kind of hard not to think, well... Maybe there is a good team here after all, and and maybe the playoffs aren't all that uh, unfounded. So we'll see what happens. I I guess this is why you don't try to make predictions on the season right on the first day of training camp, because everybody's feeling good everywhere, right? I mean, everywhere outside of Philadelphia, obviously. But aside from that, we're, we're, we're definitely, and myself too, getting swept up in the old best shape of my life everybody's excited to get going time of the season so I don't know you got to go out of your way right now to feel pretty gloomy about the start of the year no matter which team you're pretty much cheering for so why don't we keep it light and easy and breezy here to to kick things off to, to close out the week and head into the weekend because who knows when reality and and uh a harsh dose of pessimism might sit in here so why don't we enjoy the good vibes while we got them here so let's break it down I mean, not a ton of earth-shattering news to come out of the the opening of Jets training camp, but I think most people in Winnipeg were excited to see what Rick Bonus would have up his sleeves when it came to his forward line combinations and his defense pairings. And for me, we'll get into the defense core a little bit later on in the episode. There's really only one or two slight things that I took away from Rick Bonus's original setup on the back end I I don't really anticipate we'll see much if any of that um, carry over into game one of the regular season 
The forward group, however, I will be... I mean, to me, there's only one real big main battle. One player that can maybe change what we saw on the opening day of training camp. But I think what you saw yesterday is what you're going to get for game one. I think that will be the Winnipeg Jets starting lineup up front. And then we'll just see how... I mean, we'll see two things. We'll see how much Rick Bonus is going to experiment during training camp, but then we'll see how quick he is to break up his his lines once the season does get underway. I imagine we'll see a few other combinations as camp continues here. But you know, people got on Paul Maurice for this, and I was actually I'm I'm kind of a big proponent of this. I was a little surprised that the D pairings were as as jumbled as they were, but. You really don't have a ton of time at training camp in the preseason to get ready for the upcoming year. And especially when you're trying to install new systems and defensive structure and stability and everything like that. I think you want to try to keep things as cohesive and as consistent as possible. So it doesn't surprise me that the Jets forward groups are as they are. A little bit surprised that the decor is, you know, not rolling out there with the pairings that we might expect to see um, to kick off the year. But let's break down the forward groups one through four here, the four main lines that we'll see for the Winnipeg Jets. And of course, the headline grabbing one obviously is going to be the top line heading into the season. The three most dynamic offensive contributors for this team all lining up together. Kyle Connor, Mark Shifley, and Nikolai Ehlers. If you want to look at what Rick Bonus had in Dallas, that's obviously going to be his answer to um, the Pavelski, Robertson, and Hintz trio. And look, I, I don't know if it's going to work or not. I don't really care because I am excited as all hell to see those three in action. Now, there's a few things to break down from this line and, and the unveiling of it. The, the first one that I do want to get to is, is about Mark Shifley himself. And there's a tremendous amount of excitement, I mean, both from the player and from, I think, the fan base and, and from people inside the organization about Mark Shifley's mindset heading into the year. And I, I mean, it, it's, it's hard to kind of disagree with that because it, it seems like an entirely different person than what we saw at the end of last year. But one thing that's, really become apparent to me. I'm sure a lot of you have picked up on this as well. And and I think all of us might have heard, you know, a rumor or two about this going back the last couple of years right now. But it, it really seems like there was a decent amount of of conflict or tension or just, just negative vibes in general between Mark Shifley and, and Paul Maurice as, as Paul Maurice's tenure with the Winnipeg Jets came to an end. I mean, just, just reading between the lines, hearing some of the comments Shifley has made between the communication between him and Bones now, and, and it, it just, and, and even when Kevin Chevaldeoff was asked about, you know, was there a rift or anything because Shifley's saying that he's able to talk to his new coach as opposed to the last one, and Chevy's answer, and we'll get to some of his comments later on, but, but Chevy's answer was really, really short. I'm not touching on this essentially. Let's move on to the next question sort of a deal. It, it, it just seems to me like maybe Mark Shifley's game plateaued or, or took a step back specifically inside his own zone these past few years because maybe his relationship with the coach um, wasn't as rosy and as ideal as you might hope for your number one center. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. I, I, I don't know how much stock I necessarily want to put into that or not. 
Um, but if we do see a really motivated and ready to go Mark Shifley to start the year, and if that line in particular is clicking right out of the gates, I mean, it's certainly a possibility we have to take into consideration, I think. Um, but when you look at the line as a whole, <laughs> I mean, the thing that jumps out to me with Shifley, Connor, and Ehlers out there is is goals, goals, goals. And it's going to be at both ends of the both ends of the ice, likely, right? I mean, neither one of those three on their best day are are tremendous defensive players, and and we know Shifley and Connor are amongst the worst forwards in the entire NHL over these last few seasons in terms of defensive impact. There, there's a little bit of worry that with Ehlers beside them, that you know how how are those three going to do if they're hemmed inside their own zone for for extended periods of time. And, and, and I guess Rick Bonus's answer to that is, is kind of twofold, and, and that's going to be one. You know, the coach is going to instill structure, and that's going to take care of some of it. But the other side of it is they're, they're just not going to spend a lot of time in their half of the ice. And, hey, even for good defensive players, that's the best defense. For great offensive players, that is 100% the best defense you could do when you're out there. So I, I'm, I'm certainly intrigued. And... While there is potential for things to go haywire in the defensive side of things, I, I mean, how many how many trios out there are, are more talented and skilled than Shifley, Ehlers, Connor? Right? I, even even with the steps back that have been taken in, in certain aspects of of their games, I don't know. Yeah, I, like to me, that's top ten. Like it's got to be right. It's got to be a top ten line of the NHL. Um, we'll see how high they can they can go. And a lot of that is is going to come down to how well they're able to defend when they're asked to do that. But man, oh man, like to have basically a 50 goal ish score on one wing, a guy that looks poised to break out and be a point per game player on the other wing, and then a centerman that you know when he's on is is one of the more gifted offensive players in the entire league. That that's that's a really really dangerous trio, and I, I think there should be a ton of excitement around what those three can do. While they're out there, stylistically, I think they'll be just fine. Allow Nikolai Ehlers to be the, uh, the the zone entry generator, and then let absolute mayhem reign once they get inside the offensive zone. I would my my one worry would be is is Shifley going to shoot the puck enough on a line with those three? But that that's kind of a a minor quibble. I I'll be very very intrigued to see just how dynamic those three can be together. And I mean, look the. There, there's a few risks, there's no doubt about that, but the reward is, I think the reward in the ceiling is top five line in the entire NHL. If, if they're out there and they're all clicking together, there's there's a lot of potential with those three. So that'll be exciting to see how that plays out. The second line, I, I don't know why I'm less excited or less enthused or maybe just kind of lukewarm on... Dubois centering Blake Wheeler and, and Cole Perfetti. I mean, there's not really a good reason for it. Um, I, the other thing, too, is the Jets don't really have any other option, right? You're not going to put Blake Wheeler on Adam Lowry's line. I don't think you're going to put Appleton over Wheeler, even at this stage in his career. There, there's no competition for Perfetti on the other side, and, and Dubois is obviously going to be you know, 1B to Shifley's 1A. So, so this is what the Jets have. Yeah, I just I, I don't really know why I'm I'm not overly excited about it. Uh, I mean, the interesting thing is it does set up for Dubois to be the trigger man on that line. I think he's capable of scoring a lot more than he did last year. 
Um, I, I guess scoring more from distance. He, he's still going to be the uh, the grease man in and around the blue paint there. But, you know, I, I think there were a lot of chances and a lot of shots that were high and wide and off the glass last year that, you know, if Dubois buries that, that's that might be the difference between a, a 60-point guy to a 40-goal, 70-75-point guy and a, and a couple extra mil per season on your paycheck there. So that, that part will be something I'd like to keep my eye on is is can Dubois, you know, without Connor beside him, be the main goal scorer on a line with two playmakers on it? Because that's not Wheeler's game. Um, Perfetti, I mean, per- Perfetti's got a decent shot, but I, I think he's more along like Wheeler's style of play. He's more like a Mitch Martyr light to me. So it'll be intriguing to see how those three play off of each other. The other thing that I noticed you know, just looking at the top six in particular is that this club could really, really use a strong defensive winger who can still chip in offensively. Not, I mean, look, a Mark Stone would be great. <laughs> That's not going to happen. Those guys aren't available. But, but even like an, an Andre Pilat, uh Chris Kunitz back in the day, like, like someone along those lines, Tyler Toffoli in Calgary, like somebody that could be anywhere from 40 to 60 points but is going to be the defensive conscience on a line. You know, Blake Wheeler used to be that in his prime, but, you know, with age, that slipped a little bit. They, they don't really have anybody out there on the wing that that you know is going to be okay inside their own zone. That That's something that worries me a little bit. And, and even at end-of-the-game situations as well. You know, you know you're going to have Lowry and Appleton out there, and I, I feel pretty solid about those two, but who, who's the third guy, right? Like, is it is it going to be... One of the centermen would would you trust David Gustafson in that role out there on the wing, right? Like uh, there's there's a little bit of unknown right there, and we'll see if Chevy can do some magic either uh, on the waiver wire or in the trade market as we get closer to the regular season. But certainly a need that I think we all agree would be nice to see the Winnipeg Jets pick up a piece or two there. Uh, the third line, no real surprises there: Lowry, Appleton, and Jansen Harkins on the left side. Tough break for Morgan Barron to open up camp with a bit of an injury because that that kind of gift reps Jansen Harkins the, uh, the the first chance and an early look to grab that spot and keep it and run away with it. I, you know, personally, all day long, I go Morgan Barron over Jansen Harkins for the third line spot. I, I just don't think we've seen enough from Harkins production-wise at the NHL level to, to give him a spot, I think, you know, amongst the 12 forwards, let alone up there in the top nine. I think, you know, Barron had a pretty rough stint with the Rangers last year, but when he came over to Winnipeg, showed why he was a second-round pick and, and a, a pretty decently touted prospect with New York. I, I just think there's a lot more upside with Barron. I like the size that he brings there. That's a big-ass line if you have Morgan Barron there. And then that puts Jansen Harkins in a much more comfortable role as either a fourth-liner or a 13th forward on a team. So, I mean, that's the way I would go with it. We'll we'll see if that's just injury-based or if Jansen Harkins is going to get first crack there. There's just no doubt whatsoever, though, that uh, Rick Bonus has a pretty set hierarchy when it comes to his lines. The top six is going to create offense. Adam Lowry's line is going to be an absolute shutdown unit, playing against the top line each night to open up some minutes for the top six guys. And then the fourth line gets the scraps. So it's it's very similar to Paul Maurice's MO there. And speaking of the fourth line, we got our first glimpse at that with David Gustafson down the middle, centering Dominique Toninato and Sam Gagne. I, you know, that, that's, 
this might be one of the better fourth lines we've had here in Winnipeg in quite some time. I, I, I don't mind that. It would be interesting to see if Barron over Toninato would be the choice uh, once he does get back healthy there. But, I mean, there's some defensive consciousness with David Gustafson, even though he's a young guy. Toninato's actually been pretty solid. I've kind of liked his game since he came over um, a few seasons ago. And, and Sam Gagne, you know, if you're going to have a vet there, to have somebody that's put up points before, you don't... You, you, you know, it's not necessarily a black hole offensively with that trio. I, I can dig that. I, I can, I, I will accept that we've had much worse fourth lines here in Winnipeg. Um, do like the chance David Gustafson is apparently going to get, though. I, I think this is a role that is, is really perfect to ease him into the NHL here. And I think he's going to be well suited to that. And we're going to see him kick some ass on the penalty kill as well. So no real surprises, I, I think, at all when it comes to the forward lines for the Jets there. In terms of potential changes, it's it's really going to come down to Morgan Barron, his health, and when he's able to come back into it. But he's the one guy that I think can throw a wrench into Rick Bonus's forward plans. The other one is, is my personal favorite. I, I just I love watching him play. The Jets really haven't had a guy like this since Brandon Tanev. But, I man, I, I'm a big Mikey Asimov fan. I, he's great for the Moose. I would love to see him get an extended chance up here in the NHL. Um, but outside of that, though, this is probably going to be what we see for the first 10 or so games from the Jets up front. A lot of excitement here. And the top six, no doubt about it. We'll see if the bottom six can uh, lift the load that they have failed to do over the past couple of seasons. Uh, we'll get into the blue line. Some comments from Bonus and Chevy, as well as uh, maybe a little thing to keep an eye on when it comes to potential moves for the Winnipeg Jets in the near future here. We'll get to that in just a sec. But before we do that, we got to give a quick shout out to our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with a big-time deal that everybody's taking advantage of right now. So why don't you do the same if you want to boost your winnings a little more than the big payday that's on tap for you? A reminder that DraftKings has stepped up same-game parlays. For every leg you add, you can boost your winnings up to 100%. So why bet on football anywhere else? With same game parlays and a big deal that we'll get to right here. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code THPN, only a DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for more details. Also got to give a quick shout out to our newest friends over at Raycon with their wireless earbuds changing the game. Eight hours of playtime, 32 hours of battery life, whether you're listening to skates and plates or a true crime pod or a little Bob Marley while you're doing the dishes so you don't lose your mind when your baby doesn't sleep. We all have our own problems. Raycon's here to try to help you get through them. With their wireless earbuds, customizable sound profiles, and noise isolation. So you can block everything out and listen to whatever gets you in zen and into your happy place. Go to buyraycon.com THPN today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com THPN to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com THPN. 
Now, before we get to the uh, the sorry, before we get to the defensemen, I want to just touch on one quick thing with the forward group. And it's something that I was kind of ruminating in the back of my mind over the last few days, you know, wondering, will the Winnipeg Jets make a move with one of their defensemen? Will they bring in some forward help, which there's a hole or two in their bottom six? And it, it's it's tough to gauge, you know, outside of the, the Yessi Pugliarvi talks, who could be available in a trade. But I do wonder if Chevy is looking at a different option to improve his team. And that would be, it's cutting it close, there's no doubt about it, but there's always a decent amount of talent available when it comes to the waiver wire, as every team on cutdown day trims their club down to 20, 21, 22. And it's usually a name or two that we're not maybe aware of or anticipating or expecting, but with the amount of cap space the Winnipeg Jets have, there's a decent opportunity for the club, really more so than than a lot of teams out there, to pick up a semi-impactful forward that they can plug in to their third or fourth line and do so without trading away an asset or, or giving anything up. It'd be all for free. I I, I wonder, and, and Chevy kind of alluded to it in his, in his comments with the media, which we'll get to in a little bit here, that, you know, the team you see now isn't the team we might have at the start of camp or midway through the season. And I, I wondered if that was what he was talking about more so than the trade market itself. A couple of teams to keep an eye on. Again, it's, it's difficult because we don't know training camp battles, this and that, who might step up, who might fall back. Um, but there are two teams that ah, just, just watch out for, maybe read up on Twitter if you see some updates or anything like that. But New Jersey and Seattle are very intriguing to me. Um, maybe the Devils more so than the Kraken, because there's a few players on New Jersey, and, and we know the Devils are trying to make a push back into the playoffs. They, they tried to go big game hunting for some of the wingers out there on the market, and they came up short. So you wonder if maybe something's coming up in the pipeline there. They want to trim some salary. Could there be a casualty or two up front for the Devils this year? One name to keep an eye on is Andreas Janssen. Uh, the former Maple Leaf came over in a trade to the Devils a few years ago. Had himself a pretty good season last year. You know, it wasn't uh, wasn't a case of a guy, you know, not providing a whole lot of value. He, he was pretty good. I think a half a point a game for the Devils. Um, making $3.4 million. He's an upcoming UFA, so no commitment there. He did have 35 points in 70 games last year. Right now, he's on the team's fourth line. And anytime you have a decent-sized ticket playing on your fourth line in training camp, your eyebrows do get raised a little bit and wonder if, you know what, maybe their spot isn't so secure as you might think. So Andreas Janssen, to me, could be a potential casualty with the Devils on, on cutdown day, especially because they've got some some decent youngsters right around battling for spots in Jesper Boakvist and Fabian Zetterlin, both guys that put up half a point a game last year. Um, the other as well would be Tomas Tatar, who has not fared very well in New Jersey. Um, and again, an upcoming UFA, $4.5 million. That wouldn't be, a, either one of those guys wouldn't be a bad bet to pick up for free if they're thrown on waivers there. And again, it's a one-year commitment. You could squeeze him in under the cap. And if it works, great. If it doesn't, well, you tried. 
let's try to fill it again next year. So I, I think the Devils are a very, very intriguing team for Jets fans to keep an eye on as to how their training camp goes. With Seattle, Jonas Donskoy would be the name I would keep an eye on out there as well. Again, $3.9 million, check, upcoming UFA, check, on the fourth line in training camp. Check, 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 check. And, you know, with Shane Wright potentially going to be in the fold, there's all of a sudden a bit of a squeeze when it comes to spots in that Seattle Kraken lineup. And Don Squay is a guy that I think would be a perfect fit with Larry and Appleton there. That That's kind of his preferred role. I mean, he's been on extended playoff runs with, with Colorado and with San Jose before. And again, it's just a one-year commitment there. So those are two guys that I think would be intriguing fits for the Jets. Uh, we'll see if they eventually do become available. I mean, again, waivers or trades, or maybe there's another team or two out there that might pull a bit of a shocker and give up a, a 3 or $4 million player on waivers. That might be the more preferred route for the Jets to go. And then even then, if they wanted to move a defenseman, it might be a lot easier for a team to give up a draft pick for any one of the surplus of blue liners the Jets have as opposed to an actual roster player. So all in all, you could pick up say, a second-round pick for one of your defensemen. You get your forward and a new pick, and you open up a spot for one of the youngsters. It's a win-win all around. Maybe that's the way to go instead of trying to uh, move a guy and pick up a, a middle six forward. But let me know what you think at Brandon underscore Rewiki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. Any waiver wire guys you think should be an option or should be somebody Chevy keeps an eye on out there? Or would you rather go the trade market? Would you rather be looking at Jesse Pugliarvi over there at Edmonton, even if it does cost you a defenseman and maybe a pick as well? Would love to know your guys' thoughts on all that. Now, the blue liners at camp, like I said earlier, I'm, I'm not going to put a ton of stock into it because it was kind of all over the place. And I don't anticipate uh, the Winnipeg Jets opening up game one of the season with uh, Morrissey and Johnny Kovacevic as the team's top D pairing. So... I, I'm not looking into this a whole lot. To me, I think Rick Bonus has a pretty clear plan in place. Put a veteran defenseman with a youngster defenseman and let them go. Maybe they can build off each other. Maybe the young guy picks up a, a you know a tip or a trick here or there. And um, the older guy tries to bring somebody along. Right? Like just something along that. I don't think I'm gonna read too much into this. I do kind of I mean it is interesting seeing Chisholm and DeMello together. You know, Declan Chisholm's kind of a, a dark horse under the radar prospect, I think, with this team that could be an NHLer sooner rather than later, and, and a pretty good one at that. Uh, but we'll see what Chisholm does with the Moose this upcoming season. Um, but it was Morrissey Kovacevic, Chisholm DeMello, and Stanley and Leon Gavanka in Group 1 as your blue line pairings. And then Dylan Sandberg with Nate Schmidt. Kappa uh, Bianco, which is a wicked name, Kevin Kappa Bianco with Neil Pionk, and then Brendan Dillon and Vili Hainala on his offside on a defense pairing there. Now, that one to me is the biggest eye opener and the one to keep an eye on, and the one thing we could potentially see play itself out once the Winnipeg Jets get underway in actual game action here. And it ties in nicely to Rick Bonus's comments who, by the way, once, a, once again, one day one of training camp, and there's no doubt about it, 
I don't know if he got his application in in time, but if he was to run for mayor of this city, it would be an absolute landslide victory without everybody's feeling about Bones right now. But one of the really neat things that Rick Bonus said in his comments with the media is how aggressive he wants his defense group to be this year. He cited the lack of goals overall provided and the production overall provided by the Jets Blue Liners last season, maybe outside of, of Josh Morrissey, who was pretty outstanding in that regard, but that he wants his defensemen to get up into the play. He wants them to play aggressive, to play fast. And then the beauty after all that said, our D are coming. So there's a very, very clear style that Rick Bonus has in mind for this Winnipeg Jets blue line here. And all of those comments, to me, point towards one big winner in terms of players in day one of training camp. And I'm sure Jets fans will love to hear this, but that to me is, is Vili Hanala. I, I think... Look, I, I'm, I'm going to be in the mind of I'll believe it when I see it, I guess. But all the signs are pointing to maybe management and coaching trying to do everything they can to give Vili Hanala a legitimate chance to be in the top six when the regular season gets underway here. And two reasons for that. I mean, one is the comments from Bonus there that <laughs> every single element there extremely fits exactly into what Vili Hanala does best. We know what Rick Bonus has done in the past in terms of handing the keys over to Miro Heiskanen as a 19-year-old and let him run. And it seems like he is not afraid to do the same with Vili Hanala here. So, I mean, just stylistically, it's kind of night and day from how the Jets played last year to what they want to do this year. And that bodes really, really well for a guy like Vili. But maybe even more so than that, and I might be reading too much into this. I don't think I am. I've been saying this for a while. If, if you've been listening, I I think Vili Hanala's best chance to make this team is by making the transition and the switch to playing his offside and essentially becoming a right-handed defenseman. You know, on the left side there, there is just a lot of competition. It's really stacked. And, and to be frank, I think Vili Hainala is, is this organization's fourth best left-hand defenseman. I mean, Morrissey, absolutely. Brandon Dillon, I mean, different styles of play, but I think Brandon Dillon is a more effective NHL right now, maybe as he should be. And I think Dylan Sandberg has, has leapfrogged Vili Hainala on the left side there. But the right side is where things kind of open up a little bit. Um, I mean, obviously, Neil Pionk and Dylan DeMello are and should be ahead of him. And, and while I think Nate Schmidt is going to have maybe a bit of a bounce-back resurgence with the new coaching staff here. You do wonder if there's a little more regression baked into his game that maybe Vili Hainala could offer a little bit more than the Nate Schmidt did last year. And in terms of potential casualties and, and guys moved out and things like that, waivers, trades, whatever it might be, I can understand the Winnipeg Jets if it's tight trying to go with Hanela over Nate Schmidt to see if the kid can get it done on his right side. There's certainly a lot more opportunity, in my opinion, for Vili Hanela over there on the right. And it, it just, it, it really increases his value. It's kind of like when you're at a new company and you're willing to be the jack of all trades. Yeah, I can do this. I can do that. Let me jump here. Let me jump there. You you build that trust and, and you're the guy that can be thrown into different situations at different times. And you build up some trust and some responsibilities 
with the new coach here. And I think that's what Vili Hainala can find himself into. I'm, I'm pretty excited. I, I'd, I'd be, I'm a lot more optimistic about Hainala's chances for sure, uh, you know, potentially making the club here and, and being a contributor right off the bat than I was three, four, five days ago. We'll see if the logjam is ultimately fixed here and if a guy or two is sent packing, but pretty promising start here for anybody out there that's a fan of the young Finn. And I, I'll be intrigued to see if he does get a chance beside Brendan Dillon in the first preseason action and how he looks out there on his offside. Some some big time opportunity waiting for the young kid. And let's hope that he grabs it and grabs the bull by the horns there. So those were the comments from McBonus that really stood out to me. A bunch of other positive stuff. That's great. That's great. But Kevin Chevalayoff also stepped to the mic. And a rare, <laughs> rare occurrence and a rare presentation from Chevy to the public. I haven't really heard him speak a whole lot, I guess, since going back to right after the draft. And it was interesting because we saw a little bit more fire from Chevy. We saw, you know, a little bit more emotion, a little less cliches and stereotypes. There was still the normal Chevy speak, but I, I kind of dug the new attitude from Chevy here where he wasn't afraid to give it to Give it to the media a little bit. So, I, I yeah, it's, it's it's a nice reprieve from what we're used to seeing where it's basically it's basically like listening to paint dry when Chevy steps to the mic. So, I, I did enjoy that. Um, you know, intriguing to hear him talk about the excitement around Mark Shifley. You know, what to expect with the new coaching staff in place. Battles, youngsters getting chances, maybe more so than they had in the past. All that stuff was great, but to me, there was one clip that stood out above the rest. And of course, it was Paul Friesen being the one to try to uh, kick down the hornet's nest and, and get a response out of Chevy. Uh, but here is the clip. Paul Friesen asked the question and Chevy's response. With so few changes, then what are the reasons for optimism? Well, I think we had a seismic change on July 4th. I think when you know we changed uh, you know the coaching staff here, I think the philosophy, um, I think if you just watch you know even the... Um, um, you know the uh, the drills today, and, and saw, and, and you know you were, you were there, I'm sure, and watched the practice today, and saw that there's lots of teaching. You know, there's lots of different systems. There's lots of uh, different ways that you know um, that that things are going to be approached, and um, so that's a seismic change. Plus, you know, the roster isn't going to be the same. You know, there is going to be you know differences in it. There is going to be opportunities, and and uh, in order to grow as an organization, you have to give opportunities to some players sometimes to spread their wings. See, that's what I was talking about. A little fire from Chevy. I like it. And of course, it's Paul Friesen that's the guy to elicit a bit of a reaction out of him there. That's actually one of the things I miss most about uh, not being on radio every single day is, you know, hearing Paul Friesen and him kind of knowing it too. try to piss off a player or a coach. He's a beauty. I, I, I love hearing him do that. He always asks the right questions. Um, but some some pretty... Some pretty honest answers from, from Kevin Chevalier off there and a, a glimpse into what he thinks of this team and, and really removes any doubt if, if there was any out there from fans about the path that he wants his club to take. And it's, again, pretty obvious, like I said in our last episode, that Chevy envisions this being a Calgary Flames situation. He, he thinks that Rick Bonus is going to bring the same level of impact that Daryl Sutter brought to the Flames last year take a talented, underperforming team and mold them into a difficult club to play against and really a, a contender. That's what the Flames were last year. And I think that's what Chevy envisions as his best case scenario for the Jets under Rick Bonus here. So that that's the plan, right? That, that's the plan this year is, 
A new coach is going to be the major acquisition, and that's going to be the tonic to get this club back to the heights they were four or five seasons ago. I remain to be skeptical despite all the positivity from this episode here. I think there does still need to be a few additions to to reach that goal in the same level that we saw out of Calgary last year. But at the very least, you get a glimpse into what management is thinking here. Uh, I, again, it's not out of the realm of possibility that it happens. To, to me, it's more unlikely than it is likely to happen. But there's certainly a path where this could be something that we see play out for the Jets this season. I know day one of training camp, I'm feeling a lot more positive about that than I did two or three days ago, but that remains to be seen. But there's no doubt that through 30, 40, 50 games this year, this club's trying to make the playoffs. And Mark Chipman wasn't too shy with his comments either. They want some of that sweet, sweet, sweet playoff revenue to try to build up some of the money lost over these past couple of seasons. And, and that's going to be the goal. And we'll see how this club performs in a, in a tough central division. I mean, Colorado's at the top. The defending champs are the best team in the league. There's some good teams ahead of the Jets right now. But they're not all that far off either. And it will be fascinating to see, can they bridge the gap? Is that gulf too wide? Where are they with the St. Louis's, Minnesota's, Nashville's of the central division? Maybe even the Dallas's as well? That, that's that's going to be the battle to watch. And if they don't reach that, I'll be intrigued to see if the Jets pivot. And if they do, how fast and how hard they pivot. Because there are some doozies of contracts that are going to be expiring in just over two years' time. And decisions will have to be made. And we'll see. Management and ownership thinks this club is right there in terms of playoff teams. If they don't reach that mark... 30, 40, 50 games in, how quickly are they going to react to that? that that'll that definitely be one of, if not the main storyline surrounding this team throughout the regular season. But that's going to do it for the episode here. Training camp is underway, and we'll keep our eye on it as we continue over the next couple of weeks, heading into the first preseason game when we finally get to see Jets action back out there once again. Until then, though, thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of Skates and Plates right here on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rowicki. We'll get back at it, kick it off next week, Tuesday morning, talking the latest from training camp for the Jets. Some bold predictions will be on the way soon before we get to our ultimate predictions on how the regular season is going to play out a little bit later on in the exhibition schedule. Until then, though... We'll get back at it on Tuesday. Have a great weekend. Stay safe and have an awesome time, everybody. Peace.